Hi, this is the Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Good morning, everybody. Pastor Phil has already welcomed you and said good morning and happy Easter, and I add my welcome to you. I hope everybody watching or listening today is going to have a fantastic Easter, wherever you might be, whoever you might be with today. I'm going to have you turn to Luke chapter 15 this morning. Find Luke chapter 15 in your Bible or on your Bible app. And in just a moment, we're going to read a portion of Luke chapter 15. But first, I want to set our story into context. As Luke chapter 15 opens, the text says that the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And the rest of the chapter is a spoken response to this accusation that Jesus is receiving sinners and eating with them. I mean, could anything be worse than that? (laughs) This man receives sinners. And that word that uh, Luke uses for receives is an important word. It's uh, of course, it's in in the Greek New Testament. Prosdekamai is the word he uses it six other times in his writings. And every single time it means eagerly awaiting or expecting someone or looking for someone or, or something. So when it says that Jesus receives sinners, he's not just waiting for them to drop by for dinner. He's not just hanging out and waiting for people to drop in. He's actually looking for them and he's eagerly expecting their arrival. He, he's got his eye out for them. He's, he's looking for them. He's, he's expecting them. He's not sitting at table and waiting for tax collectors and sinners to find him. He's actively, fervently, eagerly seeking men and women to come to him and fellowship with him. And in Luke chapter 15, he he uses three stories to explain what's going on here. The first story appears in verses 3 through 7. Here he explains that his receiving sinners is like a shepherd who finds a lost sheep and celebrates with all his friends. The second explanation comes in verses 8 through 10, where Jesus explains that his receiving sinners is like a woman who finds a lost coin and celebrates with all her friends. The third clarification comes in verses 11 to 24. Jesus explains that his receiving sinners is like a father who finds a lost son and celebrates with all his friends. So here's what you have in Luke 15. You have a lost and found sheep and a party. You have a lost and found coin and a party. You have a lost and found son and a party. (laughs) And what's different about this parable of the lost son is that the misery of his lostness is spelled out clearly. And the nature of his repentance is spelled out clearly. And the lavish enthusiasm of the father is spelled out clearly. You don't have that in the other two parables, the other two stories. 
So, so we're going to dig a little deeper. And first of all, we're going to look at, at the misery of his lostness. Jesus begins this story of the lost son like this. So there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And then Jesus says in verse 13, Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Running away from God or turning your back on God usually starts with a feeling of freedom. And it usually ends in utter misery, either in this life or in the one to come or both. He wasted his entire inheritance in wild living and crazy parties. But he felt liberated. He felt liberated and he felt released from all the rules and regulations he might have had at home. He's free at last. Or that's what he thought. But then verse 14. When he had spent everything... A severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. You see, when we break our attachment to God, we end up attaching ourselves to someone else or something else, and that attachment almost always leads to slavery, not sonship. It, it may be drugs or alcohol or illicit sex. It, it may be another person or a sport or a hobby or even a cabin at the lake. You and I were made for worship. And if we don't worship God Almighty, we will end up worshiping something else or someone else. And that never ends well. <laughs> You always end up feeding the pigs and wishing you could eat what they ate. So if we turn away from God, if we run away from him, if we take our little earthly inheritance of time and money and energy and skill and and we use it to attach ourselves to other people or other things, it won't matter how much money we've got in the bank. It won't matter how big and how expensive uh, the home is in which we live. Our future will be swine food for all of eternity. That's just the way it works. That's the misery. That's the misery that Jesus describes here when we run from the Father's house. But then he goes on to describe the nature of the Son's repentance. That begins in verse 17, Luke 15, 17. But when he came to himself, he said... How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. You'll notice there are three different aspects to this repentance. Of the prodigal son. First, first of all, he comes to himself. Verse 17. When you are 
alienated from God. When you've walked away from God, you're also alienated from yourself. You don't really know who you are. You don't know what your true identity is. You can't know yourself or properly relate to yourself if you're running away from the one who made yourself for himself. You were made by God in the image of God for God. And so the very best place you can be is with God, not away from him. When you run away from God, you're also running away from your true self and who God made you to be. Therefore, conversion, conversion is, 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 is coming to yourself or coming to your senses as much as it is coming to God. The second part of repentance is the humble brokenness and a deep, deep sense of unworthiness before God. And we see that in verse 18. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. True repentance is a deep sense of how horribly offensive your attitude and your behavior are to God. When you become aware of that, you repent of your sin you understand that you also have no rights before God. The third part of repentance is that we cast ourselves on God's free, merciful, bountiful provision of grace. Verse 17. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, he said. But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. The son is actually saying... Look at how rich and how generous my father is. He, he shares some of the best of his table with his servants. And here I am eating what the pigs eat. So repentance is believing that God is so great and God is so generous and God is so gracious that even the smallest enjoyments of his house are better than a thousand worlds elsewhere. With that changed heart, with that repentant heart, the boy heads home. And now we come to the third focus of this parable, the lavish enthusiasm of the father. First, there was the misery of lostness. Then the nature of repentance. And now we, we want to talk for a few minutes about the lavish enthusiasm of this father who's receiving his son back home. What do you find? What do you find when you when you finally come to your senses and turn back toward God? The God who made you brings you to himself. He brings you to your senses and you begin to head home. What is that like? What does that feel like? What does that look like? What happens when you when you finally when the light finally goes on and you you, you turn your heart toward home? What, what does that look like? Well, first of all, you find a father who is deeply concerned about his wayward children. Look at verse 20, Luke 15, 20. And this son who once was lost arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. 
So before anybody else sees you, God sees you. He sees you the minute you take the turn in your heart. The minute you begin to turn your heart toward home, God sees you. He sees every twitch of your soul. He sees every tremor of your heart. And He loves you. Furthermore, you will find a father whose heart is full of compassion for you. Oh, some of you fathers listening today know what it's like to have a child run away from home. It's a terrible thing, but there's, there's also that moment when, when the child turns his heart or her heart toward home again. There's the phone call and the rendezvous. And then that long look as they begin to walk toward you. And you can't wait to embrace them once again. That's the way it is with God the Father when we come home to Him. Moreover, you'll find the Father running toward you. What does it look like? It looks like the Father is running to you. He's not waiting for you to get to Him. He's running toward you. Look at verse 20 again. His Father saw Him and felt compassion and ran. This middle-aged man, the owner of a large estate, probably upper middle class, upper class, I mean, the guy's got wealth, he's got money, he's got prestige, there's a, there's a decorum about him, there's a dignity about him, he's got, he's got hands full of servants waiting on him. People like this don't run, <laughs> unless they're willing to toss aside all of the decorum and all of the dignity for the prize that waits them on the other side. And that's what this father did, and that's what God does. He runs to you. He can't wait to fellowship with you. He can't wait for you to be home with him again. You will find him running toward you. That's what this looks like when you turn toward God again and head home. Besides, when you turn your heart toward home and come to God in faith, you'll also feel the Father's warm embrace. His Father ran toward him and embraced him and kissed him. This too is a picture of God. This is how it is with God the Father. I mean, he loves you so much. He wants you to come home and stay home and be obedient to Him once again and worship Him and love Him. What happens next in the story? Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm just no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, the father said to his servants, quick, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. You see, when you, when you, when you turn your heart toward home, you will discover the lavish welcome of the father. He's just waiting for you. Bring the best robe quickly, the father tells the servants. And don't bring just any robe. No, no, don't just bring any robe that's in the closet. Bring the best one. Bring the best robe. I command you, bring the best robe. This is the robe of sonship that the father drapes over your shoulders when you come home. This is the robe of restoration to the family that you left behind. 
This is the robe of restoration to the family that we get to wear because Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave. This is the robe of reinstatement and reinstitution and restitution and renewal. It's the best robe. And it's yours to wear now and for all of eternity if you'll just come home. This is the robe of, of, of unrestrained restoration to the family of God because that's where you belong. It's for you. Oh, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Let's make sure he's completely robed as a son of the Most High God. And finally, when you, when you find your way home, when you come home to the Father where you belong, you will be the center of the celebration. Look at verse 23. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, the father said. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to party. Oh, they began to celebrate. You see, this is the extravagant love of God the father for you. This is why Jesus came from heaven to earth. This is why Jesus lived out a perfect life. This is why Jesus went to the cross. This is why Jesus shed his blood. This is why Jesus came out of the grave alive. All of it, all of it is an extravagant demonstration of the extravagant love of God for you. Would you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this amazing, life-changing love that you pour upon us. The cross and the empty tomb clearly demonstrate to us your power and love, and we're so grateful. Lord, you've delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us over to the kingdom of your beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so, Lord, we pray that you would equip us to, to walk in a manner worthy of the risen Christ, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, bearing, bearing fruit to the glory of God, for God himself to enjoy, being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.